You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. Welcome and thank you for joining me. I created this podcast along with everything I do at yourparentingmentor.com to support and inspire you to be the best parent you can be. I know for a fact and from experience that parenting was never meant to be done alone. From conception to preschool, my mission is to give you the tools, strategies, and knowledge to embrace and elevate your parenting experience. I'm dedicated to supporting, inspiring, and guiding you to nurture your child's immense potential with as much joy and ease as humanly possible. Make sure to take time to check out all of the resources I have gathered for you in the show notes, as well as on my website, yourparentingmentor.com. And be sure to get on my email list so you do not miss a single episode and other products and events I curate specifically for you. And please do not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, concerns, or feedback. A warm welcome to you and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel, and today I have Diane Bowden. Diane and I will be talking about, well, just living life a bit simpler and what minimalism is all about. So Diane, I'm very happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Yes, I'm so excited we can finally make this happen. I know it's been a long time coming, so I'm glad to be talking to you today. Yes, it has been a long time, and I'm so happy we could finally make make it happen. So I always like to start with my guest and having them answer, what does the art of parenting mean to you? Yes. So I've heard your podcast and I've heard other guests explain what they believe the art of parenting is. And when I first heard the name of the show, I'm like, what does that even mean? The art of parenting? So I Googled it, which I love to define my terms before I usually speak. So I Googled it and it comes up to be that art is the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination. So I was thinking about skill as a parent and I was thinking about imagination as a parent. And I think that that looks drastically different for each person. So with every person that you have interviewed on the show, obviously our answers are going to be different, but I also think our approach to parenting is going to look different. And it's based on what we have grown up with, or maybe books that we've read, or just innate tendencies that we might have in regards to how we are going to apply our knowledge to parenting. Um, but I do also think with that word skill, I was just thinking, I'm like, I don't know if I have skills when it comes to parenting. I guess I do because there are things that I'm good at. But again, it's going to look so different for every person. And I, I think that's a good thing because that makes us all unique individuals. So I don't know. That probably all sounded extremely woo-woo <laughs> or broad. But I just think that it's going, it, it's so personal the way that we all parent. And I think that's a really cool thing. It is. And that did not sound all over the place. It sounded perfect. And I love the fact that you actually Googled it, <laughs> that the skill and imagination, it's so true, right? Yeah. And what you were saying about our experience, I always say that, that the only manual that we have to parenting is our own childhood, right? It's what we bring to the table to our experience, what we want to repeat, what we don't want to repeat, and so forth. So thank you for that definition. That's beautiful. 
And before we get started, I'd love for you to share a little bit with the listeners about yourself and how you came to do the work that you're doing, especially with your podcast, Minimalist Moms. Yes. So, okay. So you said to introduce myself first. Well, I'm, I'm Diane Bowden and I live in Columbus, Ohio. I have three kids. They're eight, six, and almost four. So busy life, full schedules, um, which is a good thing because I am a go-getter and I like to, I like to keep active. But anyways, I have been pursuing a minimalist, or I guess I like to call it more of a life with intention, probably since I was around 22. Um, for those of you that have listened to the podcast before, I'm sure that you've heard the story, but to summarize my light bulb moment of minimalism, there was a moment where my husband and I were in my parents' basement and we were looking at around at, at all the things, trying to find something. And he looked at me and he said, look at all of these things that are now in boxes that were once your dad's hard-earned working hours. And up until that point, I felt like I had been working. I'd always worked full time, like ever since graduating high school, I was going to school full time, working full time, but I had really nothing to show for it because my grades were just average and every dime that I, I made, I would spend. And so I felt like I wasn't living with a ton of intention at that point. And there was something about him correlating time with money that I just hadn't thought of before. So anyways, I started pursuing minimalism. And then long story short, which I, I'm never really short-winded, but I met someone uh, at my mom's group maybe seven years ago at this point. And she was living in like 3,500 square feet. I was living in 800 square foot feet at the time. And we both had this common goal of trying to live with less in intention. So we started the Minimalist Moms podcast together. She ended up stepping away about five years ago to pursue a career and I kind of took it over and started making it more interview based. And I think it was both time and probably persistence that paid off in making it what it is today. Well, thank you. That's beautiful. And I love what you say about really living with intention, because I think maybe sometimes minimalism gets a little bit of a bad rap. It's like um, we live with these white walls and nothing in our homes, but that's not necessarily what it's all about. And so I would love if you could talk a little bit about what your definition is about minimalism and maybe how you prefer saying to live a life with attention. So what's that all about? Yes. So for me, I aim to get rid of the excess in my life so I can make room for the things that I love. And that could be in regards to my mind, my schedule, obviously my things. I don't want anything that's superfluous or that just is around and not really being used. I love if you are familiar with the minimalist, they have a 90, 90 rule, which is if you haven't used it in 90 days or don't plan on using it for 90 days, you get rid of it. And so that's somewhat of my rule as well. Like, why do I own the things that I do? And I can own more than your average minimalist, but am I using all of those things? So I think you're right. People do have misconceptions of minimalism being sparse, empty, boring, dull, and I wouldn't say my house is that way. I do like to keep it as empty as what I'm comfortable living and existing in, but it, it's I'm a mom of three, so it's definitely not going to look like a bachelor that's pursuing minimalism. And I think that's what I try to discuss on my podcast is just how it is going to look different for everyone, but 
what is it, what is the life like that you're creating? And I mean, that's kind of what you're doing with your podcast too, talking about what parenting can look like for, and all these different topics. And again, you take what you need and apply it to your life and leave behind that you don't. Definitely. And for me, I always like to remind everybody and myself included that we have a choice, right? That life is a choice, especially in the society that we live in, which is very much based on consumerism. You know, the more you have, the better it is and so forth. You don't have to buy into it, right? You can choose to live your life with attention and with the values that you want. So I love that. Thank you. Now, you say you have a family with three children, and most of the listeners are parents, since this is a parenting podcast. What words of encouragement or wisdom would you have for parents who might feel a little overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that comes along with children? Because I know for myself, when I do home consultations, I feel a little overwhelmed sometimes with the amount of child-centric items that are in the home. So what is your take on including your children in your minimalist lifestyle? Yes. So obviously, kids are going to have, especially as they grow older, they have their own autonomy and they're going to want to have a say about things, which is great. That's part of teaching them how to grow. Um, However, one of the best things that you can do when you have little kids is to give them visual boundaries. So for example, if you have a couple of shelves in the room, you can say, all right, we can fill up this space, but once it's full, it's kind of time to do the one in one out rule. And then I also like to reevaluate that around birthdays and around Christmas time, like times, you know, that there might be an influx of gifts or things, Um, but allowing them to have the ability to make those choices, I think at least I'm hoping won't backfire on me one day to where um, they want to hoard their things. But also I think what I've come down to in over 10 years, again, trying to live with intention in pursuing minimalism is it's all about the mind. And once we can detach ourselves emotionally from our things and seeing that our things are a representation of memories, they're not the memories in itself. It helps detach a little bit more from our things. And so I think that's one of my biggest goals in raising my kids is, is to help them just see that things are just things and people are more important than things. So putting our value in the people and the experiences that we have versus the things, but you're right. I, um, I do photography on the side, so I have a little bit of insight into going to people's homes and seeing the way that other people live sometimes. And it is kind of shocking and it is overwhelming. And I just think about people that feel overwhelmed by their things or that their things are a burden, just think about how you can actually control that. There are so many things in our life that we can't control, but we can control the amount of things. We are the gatekeepers of our homes. So if it's overwhelming to look at the home as a whole, I would just say start small. I always tell people to start in the bathroom because usually with those those emotions, we are detached emotionally from most things in our bathroom. So if you need some momentum and some small wins, step into the bathroom, take everything out, see what you can live with, see what with you what you can live without for 30 days, and then slowly start putting things back in there. But once you have that win and you know that you can do it, then start moving throughout the rest of your homes. This isn't going to happen in a weekend. Again, especially if you have kids, especially if you have young kids, it's going to be a process that you will continually pursue. And as I said at the beginning, I want to love the things that I have in my home. And again, that's an emotion. And so sometimes some things I love 
last month I don't love anymore. And so it's time to go and it's time to reassess and it's time to declutter. So hopefully that answers your question a little bit. Yes, definitely. That's very helpful. And then do you involve the children when you are wanting to declutter maybe one of their toy shells or things like that? Like, is that something that you do with them and have them participate or do you tend to do this on your own? Yeah. I mean, I definitely do with my, my son just turned six, but so with my five-year-old and three-year-old that I've had, um, I will just ask them, like, do you play with this anymore? It's something as simple as, do you play with this anymore? And they'll tell me yes or no. And if they feel like, I don't know, maybe, but I don't want to get rid of it, then I just take it aside for, again, like, you can put a time limit on it, time limit on it, 30 days to three months, I would say. I would say no more than three months. And if they don't ask for it during that time, I it's kind of, like, out of sight, out of mind. I get rid of it. But with my daughter, again, now she has more say in the things that she keeps in her room. And so I just feel like, being honest with her and talking through some of these things with her actually helps her to want to live in a tidier, more organized space. So for her to be able to move freely throughout her room, I know that's really important to her. So when she starts to have too many things, and that definitely has happened, I will admit to that. um, It's like, okay, Charlotte, like if we want to move freely with your friends or just have space to lay down and read your books, it's probably time to start assessing what you have and what don't you play with anymore. And again, I think that that little like landing zone, ours is in our basement. Um, You could do it in the back of your car. If you have a box, just have a landing zone to where these things don't have to go away forever right now. But again, if they don't aren't asked for, I would just get rid of them and they don't really, I don't know, maybe some people are opposed to that, but I think that it gives them some, and some say without, having all of the say. Because again, I'm still the gatekeeper of our home. And the thing is, I guess my husband and I are, but the thing is you said that our homes are so child-centric. And I do think that that's more of a modern thing that we're seeing. People's homes never used to center around their kids. It was a fi- like familial, like we all exist here. We all participate here. And somehow we've allowed the the abundance to overflow into our communal spaces. And I think that's not good for anyone because long term, if you're you have any kind of roommate, that's not going to be acceptable, you know? Yes, I love this idea of roommate. It's so true. You wouldn't put put up with that with roommates. So why put up with it with your children? Uh, And it's true, they're your own children and you're buying uh, stuff for them. And it's funny, I was thinking before our interview that how can we help parents have that mindset, right? Of that they don't need to buy so much things for their children. And because especially with uh, my Montessori background, as you know, there I just know that children can do so much in the home without needing uh, toys to entertain them. That with just a few pots and pans, they're, they're, they're happy and they're happy planting and they're happy helping us around the home and, and cooking and doing what they've been watching us do for so long. And that we really do not need to buy the latest, greatest, you know, crazy toy trend that uh, they don't need all these toys in the home. Yeah. And it's funny. We do, we spend quite a bit of time outside. We have a smaller home. So, I feel like the outside is somewhat of our playground or not a playground, but it's, it's our playroom in a sense. And they're always finding things to do. So I would also encourage parents, if you 
want to keep your home a little bit more tidy and organized throughout the week, get outside, like meet a friend at a park. And then you get mom time, dad time, and you can also have your kids be outside, which is so good for them. And then the other thing, just talking about the abundance of toys and how we feel like we need to buy things for our kids. It's so funny when we look at little kids, the things that they'll gravitate towards, like if there's the wrapping paper on the gift, I found my toddlers were more excited about. And it's just like, okay, it's not about the things. It's about things that excite them. So in what ways can I excite them? And also maybe that's just being present with me. Like you said, cooking, or I don't know, just fill in the blank. There's, you can Pinterest different things to do with your kids that don't take things, but things that you already have lying around your house. Yes. And I don't even know as if we need to come up with things because sometimes if you just follow their lead, they're really easily entertained with very minimal items around the house. So it's, and it's so much more powerful for them, for their imagination and for their sensorial experience. So now that it's the holiday season, the season of giving and gift giving and so forth. What are your maybe mantras that you go to or maybe advice that you have around the holidays? Because once again, I think that we have the pressure from society to maybe overbuy and to spoil our children and so forth. So I know personally, I don't really do that and I don't feel that it is necessary. But how can we balance this uh, when we might have, you know, family traditions where we want to give gifts and um, it may be some of our families don't have that minimalist mindset. So how do you navigate uh, through this period? Sure. Yeah. So I think there's a bunch of different things you can do. If you're talking specifically about other family members, extended family members, that can be difficult. And like I said, I've been living this way for quite some time and people are now just starting to catch on. So I also don't want to dis, um, discredit that some people's love languages are gift giving, but I think we have to remember that once the gift giver has given us the item, it is now ours to know what to do with. And so maybe we decide to keep it, maybe decide to donate it, maybe we decided to resell it. But in that moment of exchange is where the magic happens, so to speak. And um, I think as adults, we have to look at one another and be honest with each other and say, those are now your feelings. Like if I'm thinking, for example, if a mother-in-law comes over and it's like, where's that dish rag? It's like, well, we no longer, we didn't need that. We had too many. You can find a way to be courteous and thankful without um, keeping the item. Again, that's just a weight that I don't want to carry. And again, I think that if you start pursuing a life of more intention, you can have those conversations. Maybe if it's your spouse's um, parents, they, they need to have that conversation. But also one thing that we have done in the past is before buying a bunch of stuff for our loved ones on uh, for Christmas, we asked, like, does everyone actually want to do this? Or maybe we can go on a family get together, which was what we ended up doing. My husband and I bought a cabin for everyone in his family that we went through. Uh, we went in the cabin weekend in January and each family, each couple was responsible for a different meal of the trip. And that was really all you had to contribute. But we bought the house for everyone to stay in together instead of buying them extra stuff. Because especially as we get older, it's like we have the things we need and the things that we don't have, we usually will somehow come and attain. So I think we have to not be afraid of having those conversations or also being countercultural and doing things that look different. 
I think that comes down to like also with decorating. I feel like, I don't know, there is something magical about a in, insanely decorated home for the holidays. However, I think if we feel like we have to do that, that's where I would ask you to stop and think about why you're wanting to do those things. And for me, decorating for the holidays looks as simple as I have Christmas records that I love to play that I will put out and set out in little um, homemade Christmas trees that my kids have made. It doesn't have to be, I just don't think it has to look like what we compare it to online because up until, I don't know, 20 years ago, we didn't have that much insight into the way other people were living unless we would actually be in relationship with them. So I would just say, what are your motivations in wanting to overly decorate? And then um, what was the last thing I was going to tell you? I guess just I'm not I'm not anti-shopping. I'm just pro-intentional shopping. So if you are going to make those purchases, which we all do, um, just ask beforehand. Ask what someone wants and let people know what you want. Yes, right. I like that of really being intentional of giving something that somebody wants that when you know that it's it's something that they need or that they really want, not just buying things for the sake of buying. Uh, because then we know that they're not going to use it and it's just going to get cluttered. And I'd also like to add that, uh, and this is the advice that I give to parents, especially when they ask me, you know, how do I quote unquote train the grandparents or, or such. And I like to really suggest to be intentional about offering experiences, right? About not bringing more stuff into the home, but really being able to give, because if that is your your love language of, of gifting, but maybe a membership to a zoo or to some cooking classes or an experience, right? Because this is going to be just a lifelong memory. I mean, it's just like that. This beautiful cabin that you and your husband have, uh, you know, and I love that. The, it just sounds so delightful. Than in in rather to spend time with family than to to get stuff and really about giving experiences that are going to be a memory and that aren't going to take up space. I was going to say one other thing that I think that we don't think about with the holiday season is that our schedules start to fill up and in regards to cluttering our schedules, something I started doing after I had my third was saying, okay, we can only do so many things in this next three, four weeks. So what is something that everyone wants to do? And then we make sure we do those things and then anything else is extra. But like at least everyone is fulfilled with something that they really wanted to do. Again, fill in the blank of what that looks like. But it's giving you some margin to say we don't have to do all the things. We do the things that we actually want to do. Yes, love that. And when you were talking about gift giving in the holidays, um, I also a thought came up about birthdays, right? Is in how do you, how do you manage that? Because, well, for me, I'm a dual citizen. And when I first um, came to this country uh, from, from France, I was raised in France. Coming here, the, the tradition of birthday parties with these themes and that you, you know, had to give a gift and that there were, uh, that if you were hosting, you had to do these goodie bags. And it just seemed like so much. And so I, I would love to know how you deal, uh, with birthday parties. Mm -hmm. So again, I think I just live 
counter to the way that people do things. And I do think people think I'm slightly strange for doing the things that I do. <laughs> well, I'll just put that out there. Um, but I think people just hear me talking about this and how I don't want a ton of things. And so I think they understand that about me. So when my three kids, when their birthday season rolls around, it was just my son's birthday. I said, Hey, friends, we're meeting at the playground. My son wants to have a Nerf gun battle, bring a Nerf gun. And I said, I'll have a couple extras for those that don't have one. I'm bringing cookies and we just had a time. So it wasn't this big extravagant thing. He just wanted to do that. Um, the year before he just wanted to go swimming with our, his friends at the pool. So I let his friends and him go swimming and then everyone got, uh, something from the concession stand. So again, I think it's like, we feel like we have to just bombard them with gifts. And then it's like, oh, then everyone gets to leave with a gift. But most parents, if they're like, I don't know any parent that's ever like, yeah, I'm so glad that we got that gift bag at the end. So just stop doing it. Just stop doing it. Start the ball rolling. And and then again, it might sound countercultural, or I'm sure there's going to be that one outlier that might eye roll that they didn't. But I, again, if you keep your blinders on, you say, what does it look like to live with intention for our family? you, you, I don't want to say you cast aside other people. Like it doesn't matter. Cause I also am not someone that's like, Oh, it doesn't matter the way that we live. I would just say the stuff doesn't matter. It is the relationships. And if you talk about that enough, people will catch on and, and know that about you. And it doesn't feel as overwhelming. Yes. I love that. And for me, having moved here when my daughter was uh, just two, and then I had another child, but I remember the invitation to birthday parties were 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 just too much and i remember actually the very first one and i guess my daughter was maybe two and a half or three and we were invited to a birthday party at uh one of these places um chuck e cheese and my goodness i went in total overstimulation and I thought, oh my goodness, I'm a grown woman and I can't imagine what this is like for these, you know, small little children. And I really, I really made a promise to myself that day that this was not how I wanted to spend my Saturday afternoon. So yes, I guess I'm that awful mother that just had other things to do when there were birthday parties. And just like you, my children, uh, I would ask my children, what uh, they wanted for their birthday. And I remember, I think that the first big one was when my eldest was eight. And she said she wanted to invite eight girlfriends to have a sleepover. And that's what we did. And, you know, it was simple. It was good. It was kind of crazy, but it was, it's a good memory. We did that for my daughter as well last year. She just had a couple of her friends stay over and I made them pancakes with sprinkles the next morning. And then we went to the zoo together and I got them all a treat there. I'm very big on the treats because it's a consumable over clutter. And so I'm like, if you're going to eat this. Great. I'm happy to get that for you to have this, uh, this special thing that we don't always get, but you're right. I know that there's someone listening though, that is judging us for saying like, well, it's not about you. It's about the kids and creating a life that they actually want. And you're taking away the Chuck E. Cheese experience from them. And I would just say that is something new that again, kids are currently having that didn't exist long ago. And I like to look to the past to see the way people lived. And I would, I would be willing to say that people were much happier in a less consumer society that was less stimulating, that just focused on people. 
So again, it's a challenge to people to say, if you're feeling judgmental, maybe there should be some judgment, but I don't think there should be because I think that we are just trying to live counter to, to what people are doing. Yes. Counter to what people are doing, but also not necessarily. I mean, it, to me, it's the society that we are in, the society of over consumerism that is being pushed on us. And just like I said at the beginning of the show, we have a choice. We get to choose. Uh, we get to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, do I really want to spend my afternoon in this crazy place or not? And that to me is being honest with yourself. And, and you know, we have a choice. Yeah. And give your kid, again, if it's about the people, you can say, I'm so sorry, we can't make it, but we'd love to have so-and-so over for a play date, or we'd love to meet you at the park instead and have like make them feel celebrated there. And then I know there's probably, I didn't answer this for gifts. If we do the, I, I think it's mostly just our family members that will go to their birthdays, but I always take a gift card to the local ice cream shop. Just something again, it's consumable that they can go get ice cream at some point. So that's always my go-to gift is just a gift card for something local that they can go have an experience. Love that. And you're supporting local businesses mm -hmm. and it's a treat. So that's wonderful. And then um, I'd love to know what you say again about the, the pressure maybe that we have uh, from society or at school, because I have noticed that there are, you know, all these different days and, and for example, Valentine's Day or, or this day or that day where we have to bring things or make things for other children. How do you deal with that? I mean, is that, how do you deal with that situation? Yeah. So, uh, I homeschool. Uh -huh. Okay. Well, that's one way of dealing with it. <laughs> like, just get out of there. No. Um, my son is going to go to a private school this year. So this will be the first year that we have to navigate that. Again, I'm not opposed to, um, well, so for example, our nature co-op that we're a part of, we had a Valentine's celebration and I just took, I don't know, my mom made these for me a long time ago, but they're cupcakes baked in an ice cream cone. And we took those as our Valentines as opposed to like adding another Valentine to the mix. Just everyone got that. Again, I know we keep coming back to treats, but it was interesting because a lot of the people in my nature group, someone handed out sunflower seeds and wildflower seeds. Someone handed out um, little rocks that they had painted that we have now in our garden. So I think just getting creative without the thing that we're just going to throw away, but also you're not going to be able to combat it all. You're not going to be able to. We still live in this world where people are not going to live the same way we do. So I would just say, be as humble and gracious as you possibly can be. And then again, do with it what you will after you leave the situation. So I don't want my son in the school to be the only one that doesn't participate because that is going to make him feel socially awkward and not a part of it. And I don't want to put that on him because that's not the way that he's chosen to live yet. So I'm happy to participate with those types of things. Again, if I can send a treat versus a thing, I'm going to try that. But yeah, I just think that you do the best that you can. It's the same with sustainability or really anything. Like just do the best you can. We're not going to be able to do it all. It's going to be a process. And don't be too hard on yourself because then you're not going to make progress. You're just going to feel stagnant because you're a failure and that's not going to help anyone. <laughs> yes, I love that. It's so true. And for me, um, I also like to, to maybe ask our children 
what they want, right? To really listen to them whether they want to be doing these things, because it seems like, again, those are kind of imposed on them. You're going to have some wonderful conversations with your son as he's going to be navigating this whole new kind of social realm in his uh, school next year. And, and I also think, you know, it is part of our evolution that we also need to be careful for planet Earth, because you and I know that all of these things that we buy just maybe to fit in or to give little gifts and, and all of these things, well, they end up being thrown away. And where does that go? That goes in landfills and, you know, pollutions and so forth. So at some point, we really need to be wise about what we're doing to our planet. Yeah. And I like how you said that we we do need to ask our kids, what is it that you think? And I, I think coming back to that, they'll surprise us with what they actually do think. But also, again, giving that them that own autonomy, their own autonomy over the things that they're doing. And again, our job is to be a guide. It's not to direct their every move. <laughs> um, so it's important to just allow them to do that. Because again, I never want any of my wishful thinking to backfire on me. Um, they will live the way that they want to, but if I can help guide them and give them insight and just help them connect the dots a little bit more again with my daughter in her room, just saying like, Hey, you can move more freely when you don't have as much stuff. And it's like, Oh yeah, I can. And that's my job. It's not to like make all the decisions for her. It's to come alongside of her. And that's what parenting is. Yes, definitely. It's to model what we think is more appropriate. So perfect. Wonderful. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation, Diane, and I think it's going to be super helpful to a lot of parents, um, at least the parents that I talk to, because I know that they want to be living with less clutter in their homes, in their lives, in their schedules, and so forth. So this, you know, like I say, it's going to be super helpful. So thank you. And uh, just to wrap things up, I always like to follow up with maybe a more personal question, if I may. Sure. Well, if that is, if you, you said you had an eldest that is eight. So if you were to go back nine years ago, when you were expecting your daughter, what wise words would you tell yourself knowing all that you know today? What would I tell myself? I think just to take a deep breath and to not have have worried as much about safety and danger i think that boys have because my my last two have been boys and i think that because they have pushed the limits a little bit more than my daughter did i'm like oh like they're learning their boundaries again i'm there to kind of guide them along but if they climb up onto a, a big rock, I don't have to hover in helicopter around them to make sure she's safe. I can say, hey, do you see how high you are? Are you comfortable with that? And then just let her do it and let her learn. And maybe she will fall off the rock. And I think she'll probably be okay. But I think that I just was so wound up and overwhelmed. Again, the first baby, I was 26. Um, but I think... Yeah, I would just go back and say, it's going to be okay. Like, you don't have to be so overwhelmed by the fear of what could happen and just, uh, I don't know, just relax. Just relax. I like that. Thank you. And I hope for any first time parents listening today that you can hear those wise words. Just relax. Any parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with today? 
Sure. I just think that people can live with a lot less than they think they can. I think that, again, if we just focus on what it is that we want for our family and not what so-and-so has on Instagram that we never see, but we feel we need to do. And I'm speaking to myself too, because I fall into this trap. I don't know. It just makes us more logical, rational, and aligned with our values, with our values, not with other people's values in the way that they're living. So um, you can live with a lot less than you can. And if you want to follow along, I have a page and book and podcast that you can listen to on ways to do that. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time and your wise words today. Thank you so much, Diane. Thanks for having me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Art of Parenting podcast. And if you did, please share it with your loved ones and make sure to leave a review so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time. <laughs>